Welcome to Clear Thinking, a GPS for the Christian mind, teaching you how to think, not just what to think. This is Joe Aguirre with theologian and philosopher Kenneth Samples. On today's podcast, it's conspiracy season again, Ken. (laughs) Well, maybe the season goes year-round. You want to discuss uh, logically how to work through conspiracies, and it seems like there's always one uh, popping up. I uh, I really do. I we've addressed this topic before, but uh, unfortunately they haven't gone away. So we got to still uh, talk a little bit about them. Actually, the kind of context for this, Joe, you know that uh, Mark Perez, our uh, colleague here at Reasons to Believe, he and I have have worked are working on a manuscript, um, and it's still a ways away in terms of being published, but. Um, we have a chapter on uh, logic and conspiracy thinking, and uh, I just see it everywhere. I see conspiracies are so prevalent that I thought it'd be a, a good opportunity to talk a little bit about them and how to evaluate them. All and right, good. I'd like to carry this into a couple programs because I, I think there's plenty of content. Sounds good. Okay, let's get it, let, get it going. Well, let's get a a definition for conspiracy theories, and uh, Merriam-Webster is a pretty good source. Uh, They define a conspiracy theory as, quote, a theory that explains an event or set of circumstances as the result of a secret plot uh, by usually powerful conspirators. I I think that's a pretty good definition. Uh, Usually these are things that need explanation. And uh, instead of maybe moving to traditional explanations, a much broader, more exotic um, explanation is inserted. And usually it is, uh, again, some some powerful group behind the scenes that has, uh, that has carried it off. And of course, uh, American government, is often seen as the uh, source of many of these uh, conspiracies. And I think, uh, Joe, that it's awfully important that Christians think through these things. Uh, I think we have to think about them critically and dispassionately. We need to admit that uh, sometimes we all make mistakes in our reasoning, uh, that we are you know, we can possess biases, cognitive biases, racial biases, need to be careful. And, and of course, if you were to say, uh, if, you're bi- if you bought into maybe a conspiracy theory, I'll give you an example. Uh, there are a number of sources. In fact, there was a book that came out recently that said the key person behind the assassination of President John F. Kennedy which took place November 22nd, 1963. Uh, this book says that it was that it was then Vice President Lyndon Johnson that had President Kennedy murdered. Hmm. Now think about that. Uh, of course, some people would say, well, why not? He had the most to gain, right? Um, you know, if Kennedy dies in office, he he becomes president. He had the most to gain. I would simply say this, but what if you're wrong? What what does that do to a person's reputation? What does that do to Lyndon Johnson's family? What does that do to your own integrity if you were wrong about that? Now, if you're right, well, then you need to make a case. 
and so we need to look at these conspiracies critically, dispassionately. And I think we need to realize that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where people are fallen. Uh, you know, uh, people like um, Blaise Pascal says that, you know, you have to really be careful about truth because there's so much error in the world. If you're not zeroed in on it, you're not going to be able to, to discover it. So Christians need to be careful about some of these things. And uh, I, I think it's probably a good idea to maybe identify some of these conspiracy theories. And in the chapter that I wrote for our book on logic and, and reasoning, I identify what I call the big four conspiracy theories. Now, there are a lot of others, uh, but these are four major conspiracy theories, and they involve the U.S. government, and uh, apparently they're involved in assassinations and cover-ups and secret societies and uh, many things like that. But here are the four. Uh, the John F. Kennedy assassination conspiracy theory, I think that's the granddaddy of all conspiracy theories. Um, you know, it, this November, Joe, it will be 60 years since that event, and it's never gone away. Uh, you know, in, in 2001, 81% of Americans believed there was a conspiracy behind uh, the murder of President John F. Kennedy. Now, uh, by 2018, it dropped down uh, to 60%. I suspect because the further you move away from the event, and because there has been no undisputed evidence of a conspiracy, some people are starting to wonder, um, you know, why has it been so long and, and we haven't seen any evidence of it? So it's waned, but you know, I remember when um, Oliver Stone's movie JFK came out, I think that was like 1991, I saw it uh, in a theater and it basically said everybody but Oswald killed Kennedy. Um, hmm. Nixon, Johnson, the CIA, the FBI, uh, it was just a, it was a conspiracy uh, smorgasbord, if you will, a great, great entertaining movie, but total propaganda in, in many contexts. Um, but I think the JFK conspiracy theory, uh, it, it remains uh, something that people want to talk about. Uh, in fact, um, uh, we have, we've mentioned that it's been 60 years and you still have controversies uh, about it. A, a second, and again, we're mentioning our, our, our top four, uh, our big four conspiracy theories. The second one is also in the news, uh, the UFO conspiracy theories. Now, a lot of that had died down. You know, um, you think about uh, the 1950s and 60s and 70s, you have the the conspiracies about Roswell, New Mexico, did the government have, um, had they captured a uh, UFO and did they have the body of alien beings? Well, lest you think all of that has gone uh, away, I, I was watching just last week uh, a congressional hearing where there were there was people in the government who were saying they were whistleblowers and saying that the government had captured uh, 
uh, uh, UAPs and uh, the pilots were non-human. And I thought, wow, have I, got, have I gone back to the 50s? Mm. Uh, again, he didn't show any evidence for that. Um, he didn't uh, tell us that. But this question of uh, what does the government know about UFOs? And, and, I, and I'm not making fun of this because I, I, think, I think it is clear that the government has said, look, there are unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs. We're not quite sure what they are. This came out a year or so ago. Uh, we don't know if they're Russian. We don't know if they're Chinese. We don't know if they're otherworldly. Uh, these, I think, are legitimate questions, but we have to be very careful uh, because, again, a lot of people think that the government is kind of covering up these types of issues. So that would be that would be uh, number two, uh, the UFO conspiracy. Uh, number three is the 9-11 conspiracy theory. Um, in 2016, there was an article in Live Science. So Live Science is kind of a popular online science journal. Um, I often read it because I don't understand all the science and they kind of break it down for you. And I, I've, I found it to be very helpful. Uh, but according to uh, Life Science 2016, they say that half, America, half of Americans believe the U.S. government was involved in the events of 9-11. That's 2016. Um, and of course, uh, what they mean by that is uh, that high-level members um, of the Bush administration, George W. Bush, they either participated in 9-11 or they covered it up or they didn't do anything to stop it. And uh, I've had people interact with me on this issue. I, I actually had somebody, uh, one of our old shows where I critiqued conspiracy theories, this guy wrote a letter uh, to Hugh Ross and the board complaining about uh, Ken, dis, you know, disputing these conspiracy theories. But, but think about that for a moment. 9-11 has been, what, 22 years ago, just about. Uh, half of the country thinks the American government was involved in that. I mean, that's, that's, quite, a, that's quite a statement. Uh, number four, and, and this is one that's been around a, a very long time too, the secret society theory. Again, this is a, a very popular belief. It's been around uh, certainly since the 19th and 20th centuries. And that is that there is a select group of people, uh, shadowy people who are very wealthy and they have control over uh, the various nations of the world, uh, shadowy, wealthy, politically, highly connected politically, and uh, they're controlling what happens in the world, politically, militarily, uh, financially. Um, Joe, you know my, of my interest in World War II. I remember that, I remember reading that in the 1930s, Hitler said that the Jewish people were uh, the puppet masters, not only behind uh, Soviet communism, but they were manipulating the, the money markets, the reason why there was the depression, because they were manipulating these things. 
And in effect, the Holocaust was in large measure a conspiracy theory in the mind of Adolf Hitler. So lest you think we don't take these things seriously, I think we have to. Uh, a popular expression of this uh, idea of uh, secret societies came out in the novel by Dan Brown, uh, The Lost Symbol, where he weaves together a story about, uh, again, uh, these shadowy people who have, who have influenced uh, uh, the world. So th those, are, those are our four. Let me uh, simply repeat them. Number one, JFK assassination. Two, the UFO conspiracy theory, the 9-11 conspiracy theory, and then the secret society. But let me also read this. Uh, this is again from 2016, Live Science. They say the government is concealing what they know about the following, uh, that the 9-11 attacks, 54.3% agreed or strongly agreed that the government wasn't telling us what it knew about 9-11. 50% virtually uh, say the government knows things about the JFK assassination and are not telling us. Alien encounters, almost 43% of Americans Global warming, 42%. Uh, plans for there being a one world government, almost 33% of people believe that. I wonder how many evangelical Christians believe that. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, of course, a few years ago, Obama, President Obama, former President Obama, his birth certificate, that was controversial back in 2016, 30% thought the government knew more about that. Then the origin of the AIDS virus, 30% of people think the government knows more and is not revealing it. Uh, the death of the Supreme Court, Justin uh, Scalia, um, almost 28%, the moon landing, 24%. And then of course, uh, in 2020, this was a Pew Research Report, it said that 5% of Americans believe it is definitely true that a powerful group of people intentionally planned the COVID-19 coronavirus, whereas 20% say it's probably true. I mean, that's, that's a lot of data. That's a lot of people who have, uh, you know, very uh, concerning views about conspiracies and uh, things of that nature. Joe, what's your reaction to some of that? Well, that's... Uh... Yeah, uh, a lot of big numbers there. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess I'm not, uh, I'm not in those percentages for the most part, <laughs> uh, I guess for all of them. Uh, what I'm wondering, Ken, is, uh, and I know you're going to talk about this, and I don't want to get ahead of the game, but um, someone might say, well, yes, it's, we should be entertaining alternative theories all the time, because how can we trust what our government is telling us? Even if you don't live in the United States, it, it could be another government, but uh, that is, all you have to do is look back, you know, a few decades, uh, we weren't being told the truth on a lot of things. Uh, uh, there were things about the Vietnam War, perhaps, we had Watergate, we had other things uh, that have happened since then, you've mentioned some of them. So why not always be on the alert, be skeptical of what you're being fed because uh, you, might, you might be buying into 
non-truth if, if you're not vigilant. So I, I don't want to get ahead of the game of evaluating, but maybe a reaction on your part. I think that's a fair point. Um, you know, the, I've, I study conspiracy theories and I look carefully at the, the big four, but I, we've mentioned some others. Uh, Joe, one of my theories, I hope it's not a conspiracy theory, but it is one of my theories that um, right about the time of the Cold War, um, there was, a, I, I mentioned this patriotic period. Uh, you know, I, I think people uh, like your parents and my parents, they, they, they probably had a lot of confidence in, in the country. Um, you know, it wasn't a perfect nation. We, we have uh, some big challenges that have happened in our history. And of course, there's a lot of discussion these days about race, gender, and class, um, America's involvement in slavery, the Civil War. But, but I think about the time of World War II and after, people had a lot of confidence in the country. They thought that America was a, a force for good in the world. It wasn't perfect, but it was a, it was a good country, an honest country. Uh, I think you see some of that in John F. Kennedy's inaugural address. You know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Um, right after Kennedy's death, um, so we're talking mid-60s there, uh, you have these events, uh, Vietnam, which was a very controversial war. Um, you know, it lasted nine years. Um, there, there were lots of questions about whether American troops should be there. Uh, people thought uh, Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon and their staff members had not been honest about what was happening. Uh, 57,000 American servicemen were killed, um, uh, probably millions of Vietnamese. Uh, then, of course, there was Watergate, and uh, we discovered that uh, Richard Nixon knew more about uh, the break-in at the, the Watergate Hotel there in Washington, D.C. Uh, and I think people began to say, hey, wait a second here. Uh, we weren't given the straight scoop about Vietnam. We're, we weren't given the straight scoop about um, uh, Watergate. Maybe they're lying about the Kennedy assassination too. Now, I think something similar has happened to that in terms of the 9-11. Uh, the 9-11 conspiracy theory didn't really get going until the Iraq war went south. Uh, remember the weapons of mass destruction? We, we didn't find them. Have we been given a, you know, have we been fooled by the government again? So I, I think the idea here is that there is a lot of political thought behind this. And I think many people who initially questioned the Warren Commission, this was a 10-month investigation of uh, President Kennedy's assassination, seven members, including Earl Warren, who was at the time the head of the Supreme Court, uh, they were selected by Lyndon Johnson to investigate JFK's assassination. Initially, when it came out, uh, it lasted 10 months, uh, came out in September of 1964, most people accepted it, that Oswald, uh, the testimony of the Warren Commission was that Oswald uh, acting alone without a, a foreign or domestic conspiracy had assassinated John F. Kennedy. Um, 
now again, the, the, the Warren report was very careful. They said, look, we, we can't say there was no conspiracy. We can say there's no evidence that there was a conspiracy theory. But once the Vietnam War started going south, then people began asking questions. So one of the points that I wanna to make to your very good question is yes, I think we have to be very discerning. I think we have to be very reflective. I like your word vigilant, but I also want you to appreciate, I think that politics plays a role in this. Um, you know, we, um, I think we have reached a point right around that period where people became much more questioning of their government, either rightly or wrongly. Now, now in light of that, um, and, I, and I think your question does uh, provoke this question, uh, why are conspiracy theories so popular? Why, why is it that they don't go away? Why, why are they enduring? I mean, nobody has been able to show any clear and convincing evidence that anybody other than Oswald was involved in the assassination of President Kennedy. It's been almost 60 years. You know, you might think um, if people in Washington knew about it, wouldn't it, you know, wouldn't it leak out? Um, but conspiracies, uh, they last a long time. And I want to, I want to give, uh, what I've identified in our in our chapter, the book that uh, Mark and I wrote, I give seven reasons why I think conspiracy theories uh, remain popular. The, the first one, Joe, is that, and it's your point, sometimes conspiracy theories prove in fact to be true. Uh, you know, history indicates that there have been people who've carried out illegal and subversive and secret plans and uh, as a student of the Civil War, there was a court case after uh, Abraham Lincoln's assassination, and they discovered that there was a small group of individuals who plotted uh, to murder President Lincoln and members of his administration. Uh, so one of the reasons uh, that conspiracies uh, remain popular is sometimes they're true. Um, uh, in our time, I remember in the early 70s, about 1973, uh, the Watergate hearings that were held on television uh, that, that uh, Nixon, President Nixon was involved, knew more about it. And then of course he had to resign. I mean, 1974, I mean, that was a big event. Um, that, you know, it was a low period of morale in many ways. There had been the Kennedy, the Kennedy assassinations, the King assassination. There had been the Vietnam War. Uh, then Nixon resigned in disgrace. Well, um, and, and by the way, the reason why the House Select Committee on Assassinations was formed in the late 70s was in light of all of that. They said, well, uh, what did Nixon know and when did he know it? What, uh, what was happening? Uh, why are our elections overturned by assassinations? Uh, is there, is there a, a plot? Is there something behind? And, and it's not just the Kennedys, but you think of George Wallace, who was running for president, and um, he wasn't assassinated, but he was shot and uh, was wounded badly and uh, had to sit in a wheelchair the rest of his life. So 
one of the reasons that uh, conspiracy theories remain, uh, you know, popular is uh, sometimes they're true. And I think right from the get-go, I think we need to say that they should not be rejected a priori, that is, prior to reasonable analysis. And, and I think to some degree, you can kind of uh, poison the well by using the term conspiracy theory. Um, you know, even in, even in the present day election, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., the son of Robert Kennedy Sr., who was assassinated here in Los Angeles right after the Democratic Convention in June of 1968, uh, he's a controversial candidate because of some of his views about conspiracy ideas. So uh, I don't think we can reject them a priori. Uh, the American government is not perfect, and uh, it is capable of covering up things. We we learned later that apparently the Kennedy and Eisenhower administrations were involved in plans to uh, to kill uh, Castro. Um, I mean, that's that was jarring when uh, that idea came out. You know, uh, we uh, our CIA seems to be involved in uh, plots to kill um political leaders of countries that we didn't agree with. So that's number one. I think we have to give some due. I think we have to recognize that uh, it is possible that conspiracies are true. Some of them have been shown to be true. So, so that's number one. And we don't, want to, we don't want to reject them a priori prior to uh, logical analysis. Now, number two, I also think conspiracies are popular because of who we are as human beings. We're finite creatures. We have limitations, we have boundaries. There are things we don't know and they trouble us. Um, I, I wonder, Joe, if the Zapruder film, now for those of you who are not familiar with this, there was a, uh, a man there uh, in, who had an office in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas, the day of the assassination, he brought out his camera and he filmed, uh, this is Abraham Zapruder, who uh, uh, was a, a, a woman's dress manufacturer. His office was in the Dow Tech building, which is across the street from the school book depository. Um, well, he filmed it. Uh, he filmed the assassination. The public never saw it until 1975 when... Um, it was aired on a late night program with, uh, 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 what is his name? Rivera and- uh, uh, Geraldo Rivera. Yes, Geraldo Rivera, 1975. I remember staying up late watching it. And I was immediately struck by, wow, uh, it looks like President Kennedy is knocked backwards and to the left. And I immediately began thinking, that looks like a shot from the front. I wonder if anybody would have accepted the Warren Commission if that had if the Zapruder film had made been made public in the early 60s. Hmm. So these, you know, there are things we don't understand. There are limitations and boundaries. Uh, you know, what are the factors working behind the scenes in, in the world? So things bother us. Um, things we don't know. We want explanations. We want 
we want explanatory models that can kind of help us uh, to understand. Number three, I think conspiracies are popular also because they require much less intellectual effort. Uh, it takes a lot less effort to, to make a claim on the internet uh, than it does to refute a claim. Um, you know, it, it's easy to say, well, the CIA killed Kennedy or uh, the mafia killed Kennedy or Johnson killed Kennedy or whoever it may be. It's easy to say that, but it takes a lot of time then to refute some of those things. It, it, it's one thing to say that 9-11 uh, happened under the approval of George W. Bush. It's another thing, though, to engage in an analysis and say, no, but um, here's why that's not true. So it, it's, it's simply easy to make a claim. It's a lot harder to offer a refutation. And here I want to quote uh, one of the uh, visiting, visiting scholars from RTV, my, my friend Stephen Willing. He reviewed our, our manuscript, the book that Mark and I have written. And this is what Steve Willing says. He says, a little knowledge can seem like a lot when you have no idea how much you don't know. It takes no real effort to blindly accept a list of 20 or 30 assertions and repost them on Facebook as I've seen so much of in the last year, it takes an extraordinary amount of effort to track down the source of each claim and spot the error. So it's easy to do this. Um, by, by the way, I, I'm jumping ahead, but I, I think a lot of people enjoy it. Hmm. They enjoy doing these, these kinds of things. Now, my fourth point is a very serious uh, I want our listeners to give careful consideration. I think that conspiracies are popular sometimes because they serve to even things out, so to speak. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you look at the Kennedy assassination, and I'm talking more about that because I have a, almost an entire life invested in that uh, conspiracy theory, and I've studied it for a long time. But one of the questions that people ask is how could someone as inconsequential as Lee Harvey Oswald kill somebody as consequential as President John F. Kennedy? I mean, think about it for a moment. Uh, Oswald was a nobody. He's working in the school book depository. He's making $1.25 an hour. He probably had a total of 170 bucks total that he left on uh, the uh, counter uh, at the home where his wife was living at the time uh, before he went to the book depository on November 22nd. Well, how could somebody as lowly as Oswald, as insignificant as Oswald, kill the president of the United States? Not just the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. Well, if you, uh, if you assume a clandestine conspiracy with powerful figures, maybe the Soviets, maybe Castro's Cubans, or the anti-Castro Cubans, or um, the CIA, whoever it may be, that tends to even things out. And there is even a bias here. Um, you know, we wanna, we wanna even things out. At least with the Holocaust, 
yeah, it was arguably the greatest evil in history, but you have this whole group of evil criminals known as the Nazis, and so it's, it balances. But with the Kennedy assassination, how is this possible? So some people would say, look, we have a need to kind of anchor things. Things need to be appropriated in the way we view them. Um, I, that makes sense to me. I think I think I can understand why somebody would think that. And I mean, to give the thought that it was just a happenstance. I mean, by the way, Oswald took the job at the School Book Depository October 15th. There wasn't even yet a um, motorcade planned uh, until November 18th. So he was there for about five weeks before uh, you know, there was ever a decided uh, route that President Kennedy was going to follow. And it appears as if it's just a happenstance of history. He happened to get that job right before. And uh, there was uh, in one of the newspapers, and Oswald was an avid newspaper reader, uh, but he was very cheap and wouldn't buy it. So he'd wait until it was a day old. And Wednesday of that week, uh, in, in the Dallas newspaper, they showed the route that Kennedy was his... Uh, motorcade was going to pass right by Houston and Elm, which is the corner in which the book depository is on. Well, um, it looks like it was a happenstance of history. I mean, he um, had a $12 rifle, a $12 rifle. Um, and it, it seems that he decided a day or two before he did it, that he was going to do it. And, and by the way, he was in the Marine Corps in the 50s. Uh, he was actually down here in Southern California, the Marine Corps base in El Toro. Um, and he, according to one of the uh, men that he served with, uh, one of the guys said that Oswald said he wanted to do something that people would talk about 10,000 years in the future. Mm. Uh, well, uh, he might've done it. Mm. Uh, so conspiracies tend to even things out. Number five, uh, I jumped ahead and said it. I think people enjoy speculating about grand enigmas. It's fun. Um, I remember one professor at Southern Methodist University, he said, I used to teach a course on the Kennedy assassination, and I would uh, tell them that I believed Oswald acted alone, and the lone gunman theory was the best explanation. And he says, I noticed I was taking all the fun out of it. Well, people like to consider these. I mean, who doesn't like to watch a movie where, uh, you know, you got spies and you have people working behind the scenes. So that would be number five. Number six. Now here, I want to be a little negative. Sometimes conspiracy theories serve to justify our biases and our prejudices. Uh, you know, sometimes we adopt conspiracy theories uh, rather than for uh, rational and uh, intellectual basis, sometimes we accept it because we have biases, because we have prejudices. And uh, so sometimes it's the, uh, it's not the better angels uh, that are dictating it. Number seven, um, 
and this is also unfortunate, some conspiracies are the result of bad actors out there who are seeking to seeking to actively deceive. Hmm. Um, I think some people want to sell books. I think some people want, they, they have a view and uh, they're out to deceive people. And number eight, the internet. Um, internet and social media, it provides a fertile soil to an unprecedented degree to, to postulate conspiracy theories. I mean, I was talking with Jeff Swearing one day, we were talking uh, and I said, you know, when I was a young man, I, if I wanted knowledge, I had to go to the library. I had to check out books. I want to study World War II. I had to read books. And, you know, my challenge was, uh, how do I get at it? And fortunately, my parents had an encyclopedia and almanacs, and I'd read everything I could, but I'd go to the library and check books out. Well, now, uh, with the internet, you have access to almost everything. Uh, now the challenge is not access. Now the challenge is, can I trust it? Can I trust the sources? So those are some of the reasons, Joe. Uh, what do you think about those? What do you think about those reasons I've given for the popularity of conspiracy theories? Well, uh, I can see why people believe them because uh, those seven points are are uh, out there, and we're apt to gravitate towards them. I know I would uh, if I had not uh, been reading and listening to. Uh, your podcasts or reading your books and things like that. It's kind of fun. It, uh, uh, it, 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 they're out there. The ideas are out there. If you spend any time on the internet, you're going to be exposed to them. I think I end up spending a lot of my time talking to a few people in my life about things like this to try to discourage them from uh, going to a conspiracy too quickly. Um, yeah. Even though I may not know everything about what they're talking about. One one thing I've noticed is that people who hold a conspiracy theory have thought about it probably longer than you have. So uh, they, they have a lot of comebacks. Uh, so I've had to, you know, kind of take it easy with, with some of them that are out there. But I appreciate them and I can see how as as we are wired humanly, it's easy to adopt a conspiracy. So I I know you're going to apply some logic to it in the next podcast, so I'll wait for that. But all that to say, it resonates with my humanity. And, and you know, one more point maybe we can cover, and we'll come back to this again in another program, because I, uh, I have seven questions uh, to apply logic to conspiracy theories. But I want to say something about Christians and conspiracy theories. Um, I wonder if uh, Christians, to some degree, because of our beliefs, uh, if we're not kind of wired uh, to be um, thinking in conspiracy terms. Let me mention a couple of them. One, of course, is we believe there's an invisible hand behind the universe. There is an invisible malevolent hand behind the universe. That is, we don't think everything is visible. There is the invisible. C.S. Lewis, of course, who became famous for writing his book, The Screwtape Letters, that was, Joe, that was the book that made him famous. Um, and he had more fans in America than he did in, in Great Britain. And I think the reason is that 
evangelicals liked it that he believed in the supernatural. And if you've never read the screw tape letters, you want to, you should. It's a it's just apparently Lewis was listening to a, a boring sermon one day and he thought about the whole book in his head in just a you know 35 minutes. Uh, a remarkable genius C.S. Lewis was, but Lewis said, look, um, the demonic is a, a difficult area to get your mind around. He said, most people fall into one error or the other. You either, you either ignore the demonic or you become fascinated with it. And I've, I've seen it both directions. Uh, my tendency is to ignore it. Uh, I, I think largely because of my strong views of the sovereignty of God, um, I, I don't see the devil as a, a you know, a, a real challenge to God. But scripture is very clear. The, the world lives in the, you know, the lap of the evil one. Um, mm. And I, I, because I don't think uh, the devil as a created being is, is a, uh, you know, a rival of God, I, I shouldn't recognize that it is it is a reality. And so some people um, I I recognize they go immediately to um, you know a demonic interpretation. Well, I, I think one of the reasons Christians might be open to conspiracy theories is because they think there is an invisible hand. Uh, another one is I wonder if uh, Christians in America, particularly, maybe evangelicals, uh, because they believe in a type of premillennialism that says there's likely a one world government. So uh, maybe maybe we're being primed uh, toward a future where the government will manipulate. And, you know, the Bible talks about an antichrist figure. Now, you can look at that and you can say, well, uh, hey, uh, maybe Christians should be more discerning because it's true there is a demonic presence behind the world. And it is also at least viable to consider that uh, the world is going to end in a, in a catastrophic conflict. My, my post-millennial friends don't believe that, but uh, even my amillennial friends do. So some might say those are positives. I, I would say they may be, uh, it may be true that premillennialism is true, and it may be that there will be a one-world government, but I think we have to be very careful. Uh, I think one of the fundamental problems that people do with eschatology is they start setting dates and they emphasize the speculative rather than the clear. And of course, you know, in uh, a little book I wrote some years ago, uh, Christian Endgame, I talk about mere Christian eschatology, where I think we should kind of focus. So I'm hoping our listeners will appreciate that conspiracy theories are here. They're here to stay. I think there are reasons why they are. I think they're worthy of our attention. I think maybe the, the best term we can use is God wants us to be discerning. Mm -hmm. And uh so in terms of uh, some material, well, in one way, you, you can wait until our book comes out a little later in 2024, the Lord willing. Uh, but I have written about some of these ideas uh, in articles that I have here on the RTB website. And uh, I hope you'll listen again, because I think 
I think it's important that Christians think carefully about conspiracy theories. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Ken. And we're, we're going to pick up on this topic on the next podcast, right? That's right. Okay, so we'll look forward to that. Uh, some of those articles, uh, you might just type in conspiracy. Uh, and Ken, you've written at least several blogs, I think, on yeah. this topic. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. So if you type that in at reasons.org, I'm sure you'll see some of those articles that Ken is referring to. And of course, Christian Endgame is available here on our website. If you go to reasons.org shop, type in Christian Endgame, you can get a, a short book there, as Ken mentioned, that uh, kind of lays out some various positions on Christian eschatology. So we recommend that as well. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We welcome your comments and questions. You can reach out to Ken via Twitter at RTB underscore K samples. Get clear thinking sent to your device by subscribing to the Reasons to Believe podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and most podcast services. For Ken Samples, this is Joe Aguirre with a reminder that the goal of apologetics is not victory, but truth. Thanks for listening and join us for the next edition of Clear Thinking. For if no proposition is true, then at least one proposition is true. The proposition, namely, that no proposition is true. Now, <laughs> let me let me just say that I hear lots of postmodern folk today saying there is no truth but my truth. Hmm. Well, if there is no truth, uh, then we actually do know the truth. There, there's at least one truth, uh, and and so. You got to be careful about denying truth because it, it it is self-stultifying. That is, it collapses back on oneself. And so we should take truth seriously. We should, uh, and, and, and here I love, uh, you know, I, I grew up, I think, probably in a very patriotic period. Uh, I'm a baby boomer, uh, post-World War II. I grew up admiring our nation. I loved what America did in World War II. Um, I thought uh, America is a, an imperfect nature nation. It, it's made deep mistakes in the past, but it's it's trying to correct them. And I, I loved some of the statements that come within the American context, such as the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I was on jury duty one day, and I heard the bailiff say that the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth i thought wow i i'm so attracted to that i want the truth i want all of it and i i don't want to settle for anything less than that so christians i think have to view truth as it's sacred that that it's something we handle very carefully and we believe unlike the postmodern uh, relativization of truth, we believe that it it is a reality. It is out there. It is discoverable. It is universal. Uh, it's come in a person. And so if you want to speak to many of the challenges today in kind of our postmodern culture, I think it's kind of getting those seven points. Uh, Joe, I recently... Uh, uh, was talking to some people on my, one of my social media pages, and um, 
I asked them, well, do you have a favorite Ken Samples book? And you know what, what's interesting, a lot of a lot of students that I've had from Biola, they said it's a, a world of difference is my favorite book. It's it's been so useful to me. Hmm. So that's the reason for this show. We're gonna we're gonna take that book. I think um, I think the ideas about truth in there can be very helpful to people as they're navigating in our relativistic age. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you for your comments. Uh, if you do not have Ken's book, A World of Difference, we encourage you to pick it up. You can go to our our site here, reasons.org, and do some shopping. You'll find it right there, A World of Difference. Here's a comment from somebody who has read this book, uh, Ken. It says, Ken, I've really enjoyed reading your books. Thank you. I'm currently reading A World of Difference. I have family members and friends who think that all religions are similar and all paths lead to God. I want to be able to clearly and intelligently explain how Christianity makes sense and why I believe it is the one true path to God. Sandy Thompson. Well, thank you for that uh, comment, yeah. Sandy. I'm sure you're pleased with it as well, Ken. Yeah, very nice. That's that's one of those books. Uh, did you say 2007? That uh, when you Baker Books yeah. 2007. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been that that long ago, but. Uh, I remember working on it, uh, sitting at my <laughs> desk and pulling my hair out. So, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the uh, comment there. You can reach Ken via Twitter, and that's at RTB underscore K samples. We'll be glad to read your comment here. Get clear thinking sent to your device by subscribing to the Reasons to Believe podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and most podcast services. For Can Samples, this is Joe Aguirre with a reminder that the goal of apologetics is not victory, but truth. Thanks for listening and join us for the next edition of Clear Thinking. Thank you for listening. Your prayers and financial support are reaching people with reasons for faith in Jesus Christ, our Creator and Savior. To allow Reasons to Believe programs like this to continue, make your gift today at Reasons.org.